You're listening to the Not For Clicks podcast. If something is cringy or crazy, we're going to talk about it. At AFCON, great drama mm. or kind of laughable? Oh, laughable. I really hate Jordan Henderson. What's happening, guys? This is the Not For Clicks sports podcast here. We're not here to be nice. We're not here to be mean. We're just here to be honest and give our opinions on all of the biggest stories across the world of sports. I am Jordan. He is Marvin. He is Oli, but that is definitely not G. That is our special guest for this week's show. The face of the zone boxing, the host of Talk Sports. Thank, oh, I almost, almost swore there. Thank football is Friday. And the man on the fam- famous green chair, Mr. Ade Oladipo. Brother, how are you doing, sir? Are you well? Good, good. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's, uh, on, it's very true. I am the host of Thank Football is Friday. And I am the face of the zone boxing. You are correct. You tell him, you tell him, you tell him. Um, we're going to get some some subjects in, in a little bit regarding what well, some stuff that we're interested in that you have been involved in as well. Um, I would ask how Ollie and Marvin are doing, but we ain't got time to kind of go into all that. So let's just kind of kick off with our first point. On our previous podcast, we did a thing called Quick Hits. And the idea was very, very quick one minute answers to questions that we haven't really got time to go in depth with but things that we still find quite interesting. So I've got one for all three of you. One minute, um, just give me an answer, give me your thoughts. Let's start with you, Marvin. Um, Tony, back, back in the prem, back amongst the goals. And I think you want to kind of do a bit of gloating because you were, we were derided for your claim on the pod, but last, that you thought you would get 15 goals between I now and May. 15, Jordan. Well, you said 15, Jordan. you said 15 at first, and then you wrote back when you saw our, our, our reaction. Let, let, me be, let me be clear, right? I stand by it. The man is a goal scorer, and Brentford ain't got one right now. And they'll feed Tony as, as, as much as he can eat. To be honest, he was quite lucky to get a goal back on his debut, but I still am, am very, very convinced that he'll get into the double digits and have a great season. That being said, he's clearly doing too much in the press. I, 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 you know, welcome back. And I was with you. You should have never got banned for all that gam- for the gambling stuff. But now, just play football. <laughs> I don't want to see you topless. For real, just, just I, shut I, up. I yeah. yeah, just just play football now, Tone. That'll be nice. And and and, and prove me right. That's all. Okay, let's move on to you now, Ollie. Eric Dyer, formerly of your parish, Tottenham. Is this for you the most disproportionate transfer in the history of football? I mean, Eric Dyer going from Spurs to Bayern Jude, Munich. you made the question too wild there. We signed Bebe, don't forget that. You've made it too wild. I never, I, all I can say with Eric Dyer is I never saw it ending like this. I just, I, I never saw it ending like this. I thought to myself, wow, he's going to have to take a move to the champs or something, you know, to get a, to get a game. But yeah. well, let's be honest, he's not going to get a game at Bayern. But I thought he's going to have to drop down to to get a club because I couldn't see there being that much interest. And out of nowhere, Thomas Tuchel's come out like a knight in shining armour to take Dyer off our hands. It's incredible, really. I thought, if anything, he would have real, real dislike for Spurs after what happened with him and Conte towards the fag end of his Chelsea uh, career. And, uh, you know, and obviously there's animosity between the two clubs, but for him to do Spurs the biggest favour I can remember any manager doing us is quite incredible. And to top it all off, for them to for them to go in for Dragosin and not get him. I mean, who doesn't take a, a who I'm a Spurs fan, yeah, as you know. Who doesn't take a, a, a player off Spurs? It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> for, that, for, that, it's, for, it's, them not, 
for them not to manage to get Dragazin off us says a lot about where Bayern are at the moment. And I have to remind Marv, yeah, we've had many conversations about this, Marv. There's seven points behind Leverkusen now. Seven, yeah? It might happen. Kane might be the goal after all these years. They've won the championship for the last 20 years or whatever it is, yeah? They might well not win the championship with Harry Kane in the team. It's crazy. I'm it's crazy. I'm willing to admit that it might happen if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, really want to get to the seediness of what's going on between Kane and Dyer. That might be a bromance <laughs> gone too far. Like if I hear that they room, if, if if I hear they room together, a Trippier was there back in the Spurs days. All three of them now they all want to get back together at Bayern. Something smells a bit fruity there, but you know what? Let me not say too much. Let me not say too much. Wow, wow, wow. All right, all right. Let's let's keep it moving. Um, Addy, you're up next. Um, you're a Liverpool fan. From here on in, the top of the league by is it two points, three points? Five. Oh, was it five points? Wow. Okay, sorry. From here on in, what's the bare minimum Liverpool have to achieve this season? What across the board of all trophies or just the Premier League? Let's go all four. All four. Two. Two trophies. Two trophies, I think, Which... are almost bankers. And it's the other two. Now, I think the League Cup, whether it be Chelsea or Middlesbrough in the finals, are banker. And I think if we really want to, we can win the Europa League which I don't really care too much about because it's a second-class European trophy. And having won the big one, I, I don't care too much about winning the Europa League. The league and the FA Cup are just two behemoths and it's going to be difficult regardless because City is City. And I say five points, they've got a game in hand, so it'll be two. And we know City can win 11 games in a row. So we'll, we'll see. I didn't expect Liverpool to be anywhere near this position. Um, I expected a top-four race. And to be competitive, but not top of the table. And top of the table, having lost only one dodgy, dodgy game at um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So it's been a good season. A strange one. I still don't think we've actually played that good. But all of a sudden, we're all deep in all four competitions, which is weird. That was impressive, though, on Sunday, though, Addy, wasn't it? I, it I, was. I you know you what? Second at, I, I thought you might have trouble at Bournemouth. Yeah. Honestly, Bournemouth are one of the form teams of the Premier League. And to go there without our three most creative players in Trent, Sobersly and Salah and still score four in just the second half is, 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 is a big statement, especially considering the Arsenal put five past Palace the day before. So it's a statement win um, to City. But I still think City have to be favourites because City are going to do what City do. But I think Liverpool will be there very, very close right at the end as we have been for, what, four of the last five seasons. All right, let's um let's go into our first discussion, guys. And I think um I'll stick with you, Addy. <clears throat> let's talk about Afcon because uh, uh, I think the Salah talk and the Salah injury kind of feeds into this quite well. Um, the first question I've got down here. Let me stick with you, Addy. Uh, Afcon, great drama mm. or kind of laughable? Oh, laughable, very laughable. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> laughable, laughable. You know, as as a Nigerian, you always want to take AFCON serious. You know, it's a, it's a tournament we've won before and our, our biggest rivals are there, right? They're all there. Ivory Coast, Ghana, they're the big ones. And then obviously the smaller ones, Senegal and Cameroon. But we always moan, Africans do, about the fact that the broadcasters over here don't take it seriously. The players don't. How, how, how are the broadcasters supposed to have any care about AFCON when it's clear the players don't? Anana decided to turn up late for Cameroon because he wanted to play another game for Manchester United. What? 
your country call you up. You, you turn up two weeks beforehand like everyone else. Um, Salah deciding, OK, you know what? I'm injured. I don't trust the Egyptian medical team. I want to go back to Liverpool and make sure they can look after me properly. It's just the whole thing is just a bit em embarrassing, if I'm honest with you. I saw, the, I saw the way the media members... And the Africans are very different in terms of... We're very emotional, very much similar to South Americans. But I saw the media members literally almost wanting to attack... This is the Ghana media members wanting to attack Chris Hewitt and, and stop the Ghanaian players coming through, which is crazy. I get fans doing it, but not members of the media. I just find it insane. Um, and I don't know, man. Some of the players that are just decided not to turn up, players that have been picked and decided to turn up late, I, I don't know. I've always, I've always felt that a lot of the African players put club before country, and look, I'm happy they're still there. But I think we've seen so many instances over the last couple of weeks where players have decided, you know what, my club's more important than my country. And again, if we as fans are seeing that, broadcasters are seeing it as well. And that's why they jump on it last minute. No real big-name broadcaster is out in AFCON. They've almost sent their secondary broadcasters to cover it. They don't care about it. And they don't care about it because I sometimes feel that they can see the players don't care about it either. Uh, oh, just to pick up from that point, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very careful to not try and compare or look at AFCON through the prism or through the lens of what we're used to here in Europe, right? So when I think of the quality of football, it's not particularly mm. great. It's not amazing. But I don't want to do the thing of, you know, the, the Premier League is the, is the greatest football and the Champions League and look at it through a European lens. AFCON is AFCON and it, it, it kind of is what it is. Same with like the, 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 um, the, the attendances in the stadiums. I don't want to judge... A, how Africans celebrate and build an atmosphere and how they turn up because there are circumstances as to why there may not be full stadiums there. They may celebrate in a very different way in, 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 in Africa to how they do at St. James's Park or to Anfield. So I don't want to judge what's happening there through the European lens. But as Addy mentioned there, one thing I think we can compare and can judge it, where I will judge, is the media. I thought the, 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 the pictures and the videos that have gone viral now of the Ghanaian press, and there's probably some other African nation press amongst that as well, trying to almost attack the Ghanaian players and, and management team as if they're like some kind of low-rent fan channel, I thought was embarrassing. I thought right. it was so, so bad. And that's one area where I think you can compare the highest levels of professionalism. If you're a journalist, why are you acting like some some YouTuber? Some some. I just thought it was embarrassing. Someone that works in the media, what did you think of, of, of how the Ghanaians reacted to what was, yeah, a really, really poor result and poor performance? But that, for me, I can't, I can't forgive that. Chris Hewton's been under a hell of a lot of pressure there, hasn't he, uh, from the get-go? I mean, I haven't really followed exactly what all the results have been like before leading up to the, the AFCON, but certainly he's been under a hell of a lot of pressure. But still, you really don't expect the media to be, you know, behaving as they were... <laughs> trying to get at the players, trying to get at the, you know, club officials, whoever they were trying to get at, and maybe trying to make a name for themselves. That's not what you expect. Um, and it shouldn't be seen, really. But, I mean, even, I don't know, Jordan, I mean, you said about the kind of the, the, the um, you know, you can't look at things through a European prism. But the thing is, even with the, the, the attendances, I think the attendances do matter because wherever you are in the world, that kind of thing is what people judge uh, yeah. is, you know, uh, uh, any event on. If the if if the event is packed, if the event is full and there's no empty seats, people buy into that. 
if you're watching a if you if you start watching a match and the match is playing in a half empty stadium, you've already you're already you're already tuning out mentally. I think. No, but I what, think that's what, what, I think that's sorry, a real what, problem. And I do. The get, point I was making sorry, was I, I, I get, understand. Go on, go on, go on. I, I, what I will say as well is I do get that maybe, you know, the situation's different, people can't afford the tickets, but that's down to the organisers. That's, the that's down yeah. to the organisers then, George. They should make these they should make it affordable or they should make it accessible for people to go. Their 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 whole point should be we we don't want the we don't want this tournament played in front of empty stadiums. And they should be doing whatever it takes to make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't agreed, think it's acceptable agreed, for it to happen over and over again, George. I'm watching the, the AFCON. Every tournament I watch AFCON, it's the same thing. I'm watching half-empty stadiums. and It's like it's like being back in COVID times. You know that you just it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for any major tournament to be played in front of half-empty stadiums. And that, for me, is a real problem. Um, I get what you're saying, but it's a, it's a problem for me, Jordan. I don't, I don't, and and if you're trying to attract broadcasters, you're trying to attract interest from around the world in your tournament, but you can't pack the stadiums out. Why is anyone around the world? Why should they take any interest in a in a tournament that that Africans can't be bothered, or what it looks like can't be bothered to go to, or the African organisers can't actually come up, come up with some sort of scheme to make sure that their stadiums are full. And, you know, in respect of Ghana, I just think that it kind of speaks to, it speaks to the, you know, the chaos behind the scenes, really, because Ghana have been in trouble for quite a while in terms of, you know, this isn't the first time that they they found themselves in this situation when they've had a really bad tournament. But still, there's no excusing that kind of behaviour behind mm. the scenes from the, from the media. It's, it's a joke. It's a disgrace. Uh, and Marvin, I know that you've kind of tapped out <laughs> of the tournament because you just wasn't really impressed with what you were seeing. I mean, some of the results as well have just been really poor. And I know people were flagged the Equatorial Guinea beating Ivory Coast, the hosts, 4-0. I mean, every World Cup or Euros, there's always a shock, right? There's always yeah. a winner. I mean, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina at the World Cup and they won it. So there's always mm. a shock at a World Cup. That, that's, that's okay. But some of the big nations are just not, not they're just not representing properly. And the quality of football has been poor too. And that's what it is, George, especially with Ivory Coast, the host getting packed out as well, right? Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for a giant killing, but all the giants are almost dead. Do you know what I mean? And, and the quality has been really, really poor overall. Um, I'm not from Africa. Well, I am from Africa. We're all from Africa, but I'm, I'm a Caribbean boy and I've, I, I want to support the team. G was very passionate about it a couple of weeks ago. But at the end of the day, the quality of the football's got to dictate whether you retain my viewership, and it's just been, it's been a terrible spectacle. Involved. And the goalkeeping, it's shocking. It's yeah. shocking. It's it's been it's been a terrible spectacle. I mean, I saw the Onana clip. I've seen he's got dropped. Like, I'm when like I'm one of those people. I'm the biggest critic, and then when I realise everyone's giving you heat, I start to feel sorry for you. And Onana's now in that in that bucket. Because it's terribly bad. It was almost like he could have he could have moonwalked to save Mane's goal. It was going so slow, and like it's it's overall, I haven't enjoyed the tournament. And I and I guess what what I think is surprising, like even like my good friends who are who have got some skin in the game, who are from Nigeria and Ghana, 
even they have like they've been devout fans and criticized you know the lack of broadcaster picking it up etc but even them now they're just like this is dire let me see what you know traitors on bbc is saying or something like that like it's it's getting pretty bad um i'll be back for like the semis and the final though because i just love i just love when you get to the business end of a tournament but overall and i've watched this probably my second or third tournament i've watched i could hand on heart say this is the worst i've watched without a doubt uh, Addy, what, what you were going to come in earlier on? You last point to to you. Yeah, we're well, not just annoys me about the whole thing. That obviously, look, the quality is going to be the quality, right? I mean, sometimes I watch Copper America, and that's not great until the big boys jump in. Um, but what annoys me most is the empty seats, and whether or not it is a case of they need to price them correctly. That's a whole different thing. But you have some of the biggest superstars in world football at Afcon right now. I mean. It doesn't get much bigger than Mo Salah. Oshman's another massive name, like the big Sadio Mane, huge names. Mane. How you've not sort of pushed those front and center to sell this tournament, to put bums on seats is, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. I, I, I don't get it. And look, obviously it's hard because right now it's come halfway through the season. So that there would always be the argument about make this at the end of the season so you can get four eyeballs on it, four eyeballs on it. But um Look, it's another disappointing tournament. Um, again, the hosts look like they're going to go out Ivory Coast, and that's it. All interest is going to die from there. But um, whoever organizes AFCON needs to completely just press the reset button and start again. Because I feel like all these players deeply just want to get back home to Premier League, Bundesliga, or whatever. I don't think most of them even care to be there. Most of them want to get back to their bread and butter and not risk injury plan for their national teams, which is a disgrace, to be honest. All right, let's keep it moving, guys. Um, let's move on now to um, a big fight was coming up. Um, Anthony Joshua is fighting the MMA fighter Francis Ngannou. Um, that's next month. Uh, what what day is that? Uh, March eighth. Is that fight? March eighth. Oh, it's March. Okay, so it's a couple of yeah. months away. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Addy, you 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 know your boxing's your bread and butter. Um, you know and have recently sat down with Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Um, I'll get to him in a second, but Lennox Lewis, I don't know if you saw the tweet that he directed or he posted to Eddie Hearn, mm. where he basically said, this is like, this is a massive risk. Like this is, if he wins, like no one's going to care. <laughs> You're being an MMA fighter. If he loses, his career's done. And we've seen from the fight with Tyson Fury that this guy can, this guy's not a chump, right? Yeah. Why are you risking it for this fighter? What's your position on on this particular fight? And do you think it is a really, really risky, really risky career move for AJ to be taking? Um, I don't think it's as big a risk as Lennox Lewis the San is. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be ringside for AJ and Gart, sorry for Fury and Garnu. Garnu's good. I just think Fury on the day was just rubbish, out of shape. Okay. Maybe didn't take Garnu as serious as he should have. And like most of us, just thought it was going to be an easy walk in the park. And then Garnu. Obviously, his backstory is insane. A guy like that's just not going to come and sort of lie down. He's going to come and fight. Um, for, for AJ, it's difficult. Look, I mean, I know, having spoken to AJ, he, he didn't want to go this route. He wanted to go the traditional route and fight someone that would lead him to a world title. But once, I don't know, we're hearing fees of 50 million. Once that check comes across your table, you'd be almost stupid to say, eh, I want to go the proper route. They're prize fighters at the end of the day. And the prize here for AJ is $50 million or 50 million pounds. I don't know any fighter that would turn that down. There's a reason Tyson Fury fought in Ghana because 
Again, his prize was around that a few months ago. Is that just in his bin? Is that just going in his bin, Eddie? Eddie? Are we talking about the whole fight? It's 50 million. No, no, that's just AJ. That's just AJ. Wow. So AJ will, will make that kind of money. And you just, you, although it's risk with fighters, you weigh up the risk reward. The reward is, as you say, 50 million, potentially. You know, even if it was half that, 25 million, the, the risk is, okay, he's a big, strong guy. AJ's a big, strong guy. AJ's four guys like Ngarda before. AJ will look at him and think, one second, you're an MMA guy. I've been doing this since I was 18. You've been doing this for the last six months. I will beat you. And that's the kind of confidence AJ goes into the ring with. But I think you've got to take it. It was either that or a guy called Hergovic. And I know you guys know your, your boxing and you know your fights. Who would you be more interested in seeing AJ fight? In Garnu, which seems to have some reason captured the public's imagination, or a guy called Philip Hergovic, who not many people have heard of. It's an entertainment sport at the end of the day. And I feel like the build-up and the fight will be more entertaining than AJ taking on Philip Hergovic. But Marvin, let me come to you next now. Isn't that maybe the problem in the fact that those are the options, right? <laughs> the fact that AJ, th those are the two on the table. I, don't, I, don't, I know you're, you love your boxing, but are you going to be paying for this fight? I just, Jord, I've fallen so far out of love with boxing. It's not even real. Like everything Addy said is is fine. But for me, the olden days, if AJ thinks he's back, Back in the days, the big fighters used to fight the big fighters, right? Like only Wilder and Fury's ever got in the ring and mixed it. Um, Wilder and AJ have dodged each other, followed the check. Wilder now looks like he's relatively finished. Usyk had AJ's number. AJ doesn't want to get back in the ring with him. Usyk should fight Fury. Instead, Fury fought Ngannou. And, and, and I think to Adi's point, it's just like... It's now, and maybe it's changed, but for me, I just feel as a as a fan, it's now no longer about bragging rights and being undisputed, being in the conversations with the legends. It's just about how fat can I make my pockets? And the way that the audience is consuming things, it's like, oh, there's an MMA fighter. That's interesting. And Gunner's obviously fell out with the UFC and he's just looking to line his pockets as well. There is just no... I have no affinity to the sport. I don't really pay for anything. I'll just go to some unsuspecting, you know, putts friend who's still willing to pay. I'll go and watch it at their house. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer there where I'm really deep into it because I just, I've just felt for a long time, people can't make the maths work. They can't make the big fights that the fans want to see. And as a result, people are just trying to keep, keep the money coming in with fighting YouTubers and 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 do little whoa, gimmicky whoa, whoa. stuff. I have to jump across. I have to jump across. Look I didn't expect me. you to jump across. Look right? at me coming to defense of boxing. You know what it is? There were four <laughs> undisputed fights last year. Four. So that means yeah. literally number one versus number two. The biggest fight last year was Crawford versus Spence. Arguably one of the biggest fights in decades that happened last that happened last year. Yeah, I um, watched it. And you know the problem. You know, I think the biggest problem for fighters, unlike any other sport on planet Earth, is that. They make their money right at the end of their career. So their biggest money is right at the end, when arguably they're actually on the way down um, because it takes so long to build them up and so long. Fighters at the start of their career are making, unless you are AJ, obviously Olympic gold medalist, most fighters in their first fight are probably making, I'd say about a thousand pounds. Then it jumps to five, 10, 
to the point where when you're about 32, 33 is when you start making millions. I, I am literally like Marv and only because I'm in it now, I kind of see what goes on behind the scenes. So it's almost so difficult for fighters to turn down the easy money because they've actually made no money. They've actually made no money for their career. So when you then, right at the end of your career, when you're actually past your peak, you get offered five million, you've just got to take it. You've actually just got to take it because you've made no money. These are not like footballers on 100 grand a week at 17. They're not on that. Some fighters actually don't make any money. They have to sell tickets to generate income. But there have been some really, really big fights this year. Well, sorry, last year. I mean, Fury's fighting Usyk in three weeks for Undisputed. It's taken a while to come, but that didn't happen 10 years ago, 15 years ago. There's no Undisputed heavyweight title but, fights. But, but, but Adi, the money that they're making now, is that is that fan money? Is that me and you paying for it and wanting to see it? Or is that like Saudi bottomless pit money? That's, that's, the, Saudi, that's the thing I'm trying to say. That's Saudi bottomless pit, but only in the last six months. I think there's a conversation to make it sound like Saudi's been doing it for the last five years. Again, the biggest fight this year was, or last year, was Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford in Vegas. That's just fan money and pay-per-view money. The second biggest fight was but, Javonte Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Fan money, pay-per-view money. Saudi have jumped in now, agreed. Um, and I'm happy because the fighters are getting paid. But... Um, there needs to be a debate as to whether or not Saudi are good or bad for boxing. But I think right we also sport, need to Eddie. remember it's only been eight months. Yes, yeah, all sports, right? It's all sports. Yeah. No, I, 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 I hear you. There's also the Go thing on. about the, the, you know, Eddie, if you're interested to know, do we need to kind of have a divide between wrist of boxing and the heavyweight division? If we're talking about the heavyweight division, it just feels to me as though since... AJ lost those two fights to Usyk. The whole, you know, the, the the the, you know, the kind of the interest has died a bit. Usyk's a great fighter and deserves whatever. You know, I'm not saying he's a bad fighter or anything, but I just think a lot of the interest has kind of disappeared with with AJ kind of being a man without a purpose. You know, I just wonder if that's part of it as well. And now, and then it's as you say, it's taken so long for Fury and Usyk to get together. So we kind of been in this in this kind of, you know, nowhere land where AJ's got nowhere to go and Fury and Usyk are sort of uh, are kind of avoiding each other or certainly Fury's messing around fighting people he doesn't need to fight. And then we, we get into a point of, well, what's going on with the heavyweight division? There's no interest there whatsoever. And as you know, the heavyweight division kind of drives everything, right? It does. You know what the thing is about boxing as well that I've realised? There aren't that many stars in boxing. Well, this is and the other th problem. And there really haven't been over the last sort of 15, 20 years. AJ came, all of a sudden we had a star who looked the part, right? all the muscles, he almost looked like a bit of a Greek god, spoke well, and we jumped on him. Before AJ, I'm trying to think who was the heavyweight super... There wasn't. There wasn't any. Mm. There, there wasn't. You know, you have to go back another 15 years for Lennox Lewis, who, by the way, was never a star in the UK. And then you have to go another 15 years back before that for Mike Tyson. Boxing stars don't come around as often as we think. So you do, boxing's an easy sport to kind of fall in love with and love out of because there aren't that many superstars in the sport of boxing. Thousands of boxers. Certainly, certainly not in the pay-per-view era. No, no chance. No chance. Because, in the know, UK a, a, right a, now, there's probably a, about a, a, two. A, heavy, a, 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 you know, a world champion could pass you in the street, pass the average person in the street, they wouldn't know who he is. And that's yeah. that was never the case in the back in the day, was it? 
I'm a big random, this is quite random. I'm a big darts fan. My dad got me into darts. Snooker. We all knew who Steve Davis was back in the day. And Stephen Henry, like, I grew mm. up with those as sport. I mean, they were getting 20 million watching them f- play the world championship snooker. I think all sports are struggling a little bit, apart from obviously football. Football is just the stars. But I think most sports, even athletics, I'm guessing we all could name back in the day, Olympic Christie's, Colin Jackson, Sally Gunnels. Like, you struggle now. You struggle to name about three or four athletes. I think most sports have struggled over the years. Oh, is that is that a sly jab at one of Ade's current employers because they've taken it off terrestrial TV? It's part. It's part. I think it happened a long time before. Uh, yeah, a long time. Ago, long time. Yeah, Sky Sky's been gobbling it up, right? But I mean, you got to look at that. Like that's a very valid point because I remember. Addy, remember BBC really tried to make Audley into the big guy, the remember big heavyweight, that. right? Remember they, that. Audley, they Jesus. Come, they, they, why did, you, when they why had did him, you have to go there, Marv? Why? They gave him, they gave him like <laughs> a million, they gave him like a million they pounds did, for 10 they fights. They did, they did. Yeah, they asked, to, they asked him to recite a bit of poetry after every fight and all that <laughs> oh, stuff. God, and the I truth is, I might have to blame Audley a little bit for how it all went because BBC <laughs> went, nah, that's it. We can't use, we can't <laughs> validate TV license while you're on this rubbish, right? Dance. Sky's there, and then from then on, it's pay per view, and it was like it was funny. Even some of the the more sort of mediocre fights, I was like getting ready to tune in on Sky only to find out, oh no, it's a pay per view one. Like all of it became pay per view to the point where the conversation in the group chat was, how is that made pay per view? Like what? It's, it's, it's what horrible, think- love. Yeah, love is horrible. And I it, agree with you. It's horrible. The pay per view thing just, is horrible, and it's just like for fans on the edge who you're trying to tease back in. You're asking them to pay twenty five, thirty quid to get come back in. It just it just doesn't make sense. People are just like, I'd rather just wait for the Instagram the next day and see the highlights. Do you know what I mean? Like I, that's I feel like where the we zone, are. The zone and sky. Here we go. It's going to be a pitch. Mark. No, 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 not at all. No, no, not at all. I feel like the zone of sky needs to almost do like a focus group. Like, it's easy for me. I'm a big boxing fan. So I will, as I just mentioned, I'll say, oh, there were so many undisputed fights last year and this one, that one. But I'm a boxing fan. It's easy. People like Marv, who obviously knows he's boxing, but he's on the periphery. I think companies like the zone, sky and others need to find out why people like Marv think it's crap right now. Like, what can be done? Because obviously it's not what it used to be. Like I used to watch it a lot. I used to be on ITV. I, I grew up on Nigel Ben, Eubank and Prince Nassim Ahmed on ITV. That's what I grew up on. And obviously it isn't the same anymore. So there is a big problem with the sport of boxing. And that's why Saudis come in and they said, I'll take all that. And I've just taken it. Easy. Uh, yeah, didn't, didn't Channel just, 5 I try a thing as well? Yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. they still do. Once, yeah. a, once every four months with Jeanette Quachin, they're trying it. The, the thing is though... Big up Jeanette. The one thing that I can't <laughs> up, I can't criticize the broadcasters <laughs> for is you can't make characters, right? Like you can't yeah. you can't turn people into things that they're not. Like I can't remember what fight was I watching recently. Uh, it might have been Joyce, one of them when he's fighting um, Jarrell, the baby. And he was oh, talking Danny about the Bois, da- Jerome Miller. Yeah, Dubois. Yeah. And he was like, I'm the daddy. And he, he tried. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. No, he, he tried his hardest. He tried his yeah, hardest. You, you know for a fact, he was probably in a meeting the, the day before with some posted notes going, This is what you've got to say, because he's the baby. And like he couldn't deliver it. And when so you bad. think of like those natural entertainers, like Nassim Hamid got me off my seat. Do you know what I mean? Those sorts of people, if they don't come about, they they don't come about. And it, it's actually when you think of the Mayweathers, even the McGregors at UFC, 
part of it is their fighting technique and their skill in the ring, but part of it is just the razzmatazz they bring. Even AJ, I think, isn't really bringing it. And even with AJ, as he's had a few defeats, you're starting to see a bit more of a villainous side to him rather than that, like, you know, Colgate smile, good for the um, sponsorship stuff. So there just isn't enough characters in the sport. To... And, and you can't manufacture that. You've just got to wait for the next wave. It's almost like, you know, the golden generation for England football. You've just got to wait for that next wave of people that's going to bring bring people to back I to the think, TV I sets. think sports stars are a bit scared to be characters now across mm. the sports because people will attack you immediately. I think most sports stars don't want to be themselves anymore yeah, in general. Fair. Yeah, as opposed to what they were back in the day, like Gazza's <laughs> doing madness. As much as people lord Gazza now, if Gazza was around, around social media, he would have got destroyed. They would have clipped <laughs> him up, fallen out of a bar, and he would have got destroyed. But the thing is, it's like... You're, why are you hyping fights that, you know, even someone like Marv who loves fight, who loves boxing, and I love boxing as well, but if you're, if the situation is that the two fighters are rubbish or the two fighters don't really, don't really excite people, what are you hyping? But it all, every fight has to be hyped, as Marvin was saying a minute ago, and that's a real problem for me, that the hype has become, the hype has become more important than the actual making of good fights. I think um, I think just that, that I think oh, sorry, Jeb, sorry, um, George. I think that's because people look at the richest fighters ever, and the two richest fighters ever on planet Earth are the ones that hype the fights the most, and that was McGregor and Floyd, and they think that's the way we've got to do it. So that's it out there. Mm. That's the blueprint. We've got to hype it like Floyd and Connor did, and this is what we've got to do. And if you don't have a country backing you, like a Manny Pacquiao who had all of the Philippines or Canelo's got Mexico, you kind of have to try and create this character. It's, it's cringe, but you almost have to do it because if you don't, no one's going to buy and no one's going to put bums on seats. You've almost are forced to create characters that are not real, a bit like the WWE. I actually feel sorry for the boxers, I do, because they're almost forced into this position by promoters um, to sell tickets, to hyper fight, to create a YouTube channel, because if you don't, you're not getting paid. It's a weird, it's a weird predicament they're in. Just last question on this one, Addy. Just going back to AJ. Um, as I mentioned, you've sat down with him. You know him. Just briefly, what do you think is driving him now? Because he's obviously Money. a very wealthy man. He's a Money. very famous man. You, you just straight. <laughs> wow, okay. He, 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 he said this. He said I, I, this I himself. Kind of thought it, Money. Okay, okay. I honestly, like when he said it, he said this in a presser about a year ago, I think the Dillian White fight was supposed to happen. And someone asked him that question. It might have been you, George. Someone asked him the question. I think it was And he, actually, yeah, and he yeah. said, money. Or like, like sort of money. Because most of these fighters <sighs> end up broke. Most of them. And they're all chasing that paycheck. Like, oh, I can do one more and pay me, pay me. Um, and I feel like he's won the world titles. He's won Olympic gold medal. He's sold out stadiums, done arenas. I think he just cares about, he's thinking about, money now and money only hence why he's taking this Nganu fight those fights offered to him that weren't Nganu. this one had the biggest amount of zeros on the end of it and he's like give me that one that's all they do now all of these fighters all of them care about money mike tyson said years ago belts don't pay checks all these belts are rubbish plastic gold and metal give me the money and that's all they care about Addy, one right. question for you have you been I'm a bit disrespectful to, on, to David Hay to say that there was no heavyweight between Lennox Lewis and AJ? 
Because hey, hey, how these moments? Not as a heavyweight. As a what cruiser. you think he was just a pure cruiser? Cruiser. Because remember, when he was a heavy, he got beat by Belly twice, and that pissed me off. Remember, he yeah, got but beat that was, by Tony. He was on the way down then. He, he was on the way down, wasn't he? Yeah. But I, I, you know what? I, I'm happy <laughs> you mentioned Hey, because Hey was, you're right, Hey was that in between. Hey sold out yeah, arenas. Hey, yeah. he'd love that. He'd kid. love that title, the in between. <laughs> good looking love guy, everything. Love it. Love you it. know what I mean? But um, <laughs> he never had that big American fight, did he? Never really nah. did. The biggest one is when he fought that huge guy. What was that? The guy like a bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nikolai Valley. Had him dancing around for a bit. Yeah, Yeah, fair. All right, right, let's keep it. Let's let's keep it moving now, guys. Let's widen it out now to um, Saudi Arabia and sports. Um, We've discussed this on the pod before. It's it's very clear that they are trying to make themselves the the home of all the biggest sporting tournaments um, on the planet. I'll come back to you again, Adi, because you, you, you've been there. You've been there a few times now, Saudi Arabia. You've been to the Middle East a few times in the last few years covering uh, boxing, but let's kind of broaden it out to all sports. Do you get the, the, the feeling, Adi, that when you are there, when you touch down, you are in a country that is or is close to being a country that lives and breathes sport in the way that when you go to Australia, they are known for a nation Sport is big there. The UK, the US, even Spain, where it's, in, it's the fabric of the, of the country. Not just we like sport. Like no, no, no. This is a sports country. Are you feeling that on the ground when you when you get there? And if so, what are you seeing and feeling that makes you think this is going to be a, another mecca for, for for international? No, sport? no. The answer is no. I don't get that feeling. I mean, I don't. Especially when you compare it to those countries you just mentioned. I mean, those are sport rich countries, right? Countries that have produced incredible sports stars and then eventually your kid grows up and wants to become that person and it's almost like a ripple effect. They're not there for that yet. No way. It probably won't happen in our lifetime, if we're being honest. But I haven't been to a few events there. I will say this. Look, I mean, I, 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 the Fury and Gardu one, I mean, they sold out 20,000. I don't know if they're giving away tickets and a bit of that happens over here. That happens everywhere. So there's a bit of that going on. But um, I don't think... I don't think they're they are they're not creators of sport, are they? They're they're buying it and having it over there, as opposed to we are building this. And so I don't think they're there for that yet. But I will say this: I mean, a few people have spoken about how bad the atmospheres are at their events, and I think we're still trying to find out what kind of fans there are. I was lucky enough to go to Japan and cover boxing, and they love boxing, but they're a kind of a weird fan base who don't make any noise; they just clap. Like very, so I was like, okay, that's what kind of fans you are. And then you've got the UK fans who have a drink and go crazy. They're, you know, so frothing at the mouth. And the, frothing at the, the mouth the and go mental. So I think it's almost just trying to understand what type of sports fans they are and how they, how they take in their sports. They're not the loudest. I don't think that's a, a, an embarrassing thing. Again, go to Japan who love their fighting sports. They don't scream and shout either. There's almost this weird respect thing that they're watching art, so be quiet like a library. So um, I think it will take time to understand what kind of sport fans there are. But look, they're spending a lot of money. They want sports. They're almost almost fast tracking their development. But I don't think they're going to be anything like the countries you mentioned at the top. I almost felt that's impossible. The complex is impressive, though. The little like, you know, you got for the undercard, you got one ring and one setup, and then you got the main event. And then they yeah. have a little like, like for me, the 
the Saudi money formula works for boxing. To, to Addy's point, like, those are the two best fighters. Let's have them over here and people <laughs> yeah. will watch. Whereas football, I think, is a bit different because that's an every week thing. How are you going to get us, like, lovers of the Premier League, watching it? All right, buy some of the best players and pay them a King's Ransom. You started with that, but you got, like, two stars versus like another nine who probably wouldn't make it at, in League Two. Their stadiums are empty as well. I think football's a much harder formula to perfect and get that sort of fan base and, and the viewership consistently week on week. But boxing makes makes perfect sense. Formula One would make perfect sense, like where it's just an event and go, where you can put all the money into it and make it a really good spectacle for that one week of the month for the year. But football, I, I think that's just a ploy to to get the World Cup and then it will fizzle out a bit like how, you know, when China did it for a bit as well. And Oli, what do you make of a lot of these footballers that have, um, they're coming out now saying they want to come back to Europe? <laughs> We've seen Henderson, he's now moved to, to Ajax, Laporte. Um, although the quotes that I saw, because the headline around Laporte was he was bashing the Saudi league and it's rubbish over here. And the quotes weren't quite that. The quotes were just like, uh, it, it could be better. It's not quite what I thought it was. The, the quotes didn't quite match the headlines that were coming out from that. But the general idea that footballers have gone out there in the last year, do you understand? Because my thing is, what did you expect? <laughs> like, and how bad can it be if you want to come back sort of thing? But what have you made of these players, the Benzimas, the Firminos, that are at the, at the bare minimum, they're muting that they want to they come back to Europe? Well, with Henderson, the whole thing kind of, I just, I, I don't know why Henderson doesn't just, just front up and say, yeah, I went there for the money. A bit like what Addy was saying with, with, with AJ, a you know, just front up, man. Don't, you know, don't be telling me all this stuff about how you, you know, you think you're going to go over to Saudi Arabia and change the culture over there. <laughs> Jordan, that's not happening, pal. That's not happening. Do you know what I mean? They're not interested in your views. You're going over there. You're going to live the way that they want you to live. You're going to take their money and then you're going to come home. That's how it should work. Yeah. You can't be, you can't be saying you're going to go over there and you're going to hope that you can change the culture. So he must've believed that Ollie. He huh? must have genuinely believed that. He must have believed that. No, he must he have didn't. genuinely Stop thought. It, I can go over. Stop it. Well, he's he's Stop. come back. No, he didn't. So he, he must Stop. have genuinely didn't believe anything. Jordan. Jordan, he didn't. He didn't believe anything. He didn't believe anything. He and had to say that as Liverpool Western at the time. To me, Why, as to captain me. of England, he had to say that. Yeah, cool. But did he? And the thing is, you just said, I'm going to secure my family's family's family. The thing, is, Jordan, the thing is, Jordan, I just wish everyone all around, not just not just Henderson, but even even the the the, the people who say that they're so disappointed in Jordan Henderson, the, the people in the LGBTQ plus community are so disappointed. I've got to tell you, if you if you spend your time thinking that footballers are going to be your allies, yeah, you're going to spend a long time disappointed in your life. I really hate Jordan Henderson. And the fact that everyone's saying, oh, um, you know, be true to what you were saying about the about that community. Like, Jordan Henderson is, just has a fantastic publicist. This whole captain of captains narrative that they pushed back in the days when COVID happened. He was like, you know, we've got to do right by this. We've got to do right by that. The minute money came knocking, Jordan. The minute Stardust went, Jordan, come on. He was like, what? What about that community? Oh, I'll see if I can change it from the inside, but no promises, right? Like he did a full 180 
and you saw the fiber of the man right and i don't want to hear none of this you know his legacy his legacy is cash he's like every other footballer and now everyone can see it right and the fact that he's gone to Ajax is just because as much as he loves cash he he wants people to still watch him he still wants people he still wants to get fit for england and he realized he needed to double back but nobody pushed this narrative of this man full of integrity this is a man like most other footballers who are just after cash and he couldn't wait to drop the lgbtqt plus community as soon as the money came knocking right and they were right to criticize him because they could see that he used him to elevate his platform he was probably thinking what do i do outside of football let me get everyone on side but he went oh, oh jordan he's aj gave a call said there's another paycheck over there and things change so let's not let's not give him too many flowers in fact i would say he's the worst case because at least the rest of them are up front about the money he he tried to put a, a, a spin on it that nobody's buying Tell us what you really think, Marvin. Um, Adi, um, we're going to let you go because I know you've got stuff to do just before you go, though. Um, where can people find your boxing channel? We'll put it in a, we'll put a link in the description. Oh, wonderful. The Green Chair. Um, Adi Oladipo um, on YouTube. Um, please. I, I, you know, I stopped and started again. You know, I burnt out. I've done it seven years by myself talking to my phone and I thought, let me just stop. But we've started again. Um, did a few videos. We're going to sit down with Eddie Hearn in a couple of days as well, which should be fun. So yeah, um, Adi Oladipo for all the latest on boxing. It, it sounded like we got Adi in to replace G. No, G's, at, G's away, G's busy. That, that's the reason G's not here for listeners and viewers. We didn't get Adi in to kind of replace G. No, you can I never wish replace G. Oh, we never. had lots of negative <laughs> feedback about G. Yeah. We had lots of negative feedback from G. So we just tested a few people out just I, to see I if we can... <laughs> <laughs> just, just to be clear, Adi would have been here anyway. Yeah, it's not G's been been, been subbed out for like. Debatable, just, debatable. just to be clear, yeah. Debatable, Jordan. Jordan doesn't represent my opinion. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> Listen, Adi, love. We'll catch up soon. Love, yeah? guys. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so a big up Adi Oladipo. Go check him out across all the socials. You catch him on his Friday night show, Talk Sports. Thank football. It's Friday, seven till ten, I believe. Um, and he's got his YouTube channel, as he mentioned there, um, the famous green chair where he does all things boxing there. So any boxing fans, go check him out. All right, let's go on to now our documentary. As we mentioned um, uh, every week, we'll be looking at a, doc a sports documentary and just reviewing it and giving it a rating at the end. This week, uh, we chose a documentary on BBC being Lewis. Is it Lewis or Louis? Lewis. Lewis, being Lewis. Rees Zamet. He is a rugby union player, a winger for Wales and well, it was Gloucester. Oh, he um, was. Well, he was, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the documentary, it kind of uh, talked about his ascent from being a hot prospect, getting a big contract, uh, representing Wales, playing at Six Nations. And then the plan and the goal is to try and make him uh, leave the sport completely and go over to the NFL. Um Marvin, thoughts? Your NFL man. Well, let me start with just being a, a, a an annoying person and say he will not make it in the NFL. When I call it early, I want to make sure everyone knows that. Um, but essentially, for me, Jude, I didn't know much about him before watching the documentary. Um, it was typical BBC puff piece, actually. Um, it you know, bar a few injuries, it was like the sun shined out of his backside. Parents agent you know he'd been holding he could run as soon as he could walk all of that jazz 
I think the only irony of the documentary overall is just the fact that after really rugby union putting him on that pedestal to be the next face of the sport, he's decided that I don't want any of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna hightail it to the NFL where his chances of making it are so slim. That shows the difference in earning potential and 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 followership that somebody that could be the face of a whole sport would rather take a punt and go 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 and walk on an NFL football team for training camp. So overall, you know, kudos to the BBC. They made me think rugby union was going somewhere and Lewis just just snatched that away after filming. So so uh, I don't know if that, that's the outcome that they wanted, but um, yeah, not 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 my cup of tea. And it, it for if I'm honest, it kind of makes rugby union look a bit more embarrassing. The fact that somebody's what? willing to make that decision. I was going to ask Oli that question. Do you think it's disrespectful to just transition from, you know, a big sport, rugby's a massive sport, and just think, nah, I could just move over to, to, to the States and start playing American rugby over there? I think it's, you know, we've got to look at the context, really. And Welsh rugby is in a really, is in a really bad place at the moment. It had a terrible year last year with um, a number of scandals, um, you know, sexism scandals and misogyny and... Um, you know, and then there was contractual issues with players not getting paid or they hadn't sorted out the contractual kind of terms for the players to play for their clubs and to play for to up for Wales. And, you know, they went into the Six Nations last year with this, you know, hanging over the whole squad. And there were players, you know, there was talk of a strike and all the rest of it. So I think that Reese Savitt has kind of looked at that situation and thought Wales ain't doing much anytime soon. And if I am going to try try my arm at NFL, this is probably a good time to do it. And if it doesn't work out, I'm young enough to come back to rugby and have a go, have you know, and and, and resume my my career in that. But the problem is that he's gonna he's probably lost a lot of you know he he I mean the, the documentary shows that he was really you know he was a golden boy. So I think it's going to be difficult for him. It's not going to be an easy, once, as Marvin says, you know, he does kind of come skulking back. Yeah, he comes skulking (laughs) back to this country or comes back back to Wales looking for a route back into rugby. I don't think he's going to be welcomed with open arms. But that's, uh, I mean, my thing was it was an interesting, the dot was made just before the World Cup, um, you know, and that was, you know, that was why it was interesting to me. And also the fact that um, we've got to think about the audience it's trying to aim at as well. It was, when I saw it, I, I only caught a glimpse of it a couple of months ago and it was on BBC Three. So they're probably going for that younger audience as well who are going to, who don't, you know, it's not really, they're not they're not going to look for deep meanings and profound statements as we might want to see. We might want to get a bit more depth from from our sporting characters, but maybe young people will be more interested in the in the story that the BBC put out about Resamit. But um but yeah, I just you know, so I think that's the context. The rugby, you know, and rugby generally is in a in a in a difficult position at the moment. We only just yesterday saw Owen Farrell now has decided to go and play his rugby in France, which means that he's France, not going to be yeah. available to play for England. And, you know, you've got Reese Amit has now gone off to NFL. And even within the sports documentary kind of uh, arena, the issue there as well is the fact you've got Mud, Sweat and Tears was supposed to have basically, you know, given you a warts and all kind of 
um, uh, kind of documentary series on the Premiership rugby, on club rugby in the Premiership, got basically got cancelled after two episodes. So now you've got you've got this new documentary starting on Netflix, which is Full Contact, which is starting this week. So it's another stab at trying to make rugby interested and give it the the drive to survive treatment. But it just seems that rugby doesn't have the the interest that other sports do, and they can't even get to a point where they can kind of interest newcomers into the sport as Formula One has. So it's a it's a worrying time for rugby in terms of how they kind of move forward from where they are, and and the kind of the the you know the story with with Reece Samet is another uh, disappointing or kind of worrying trend for them. Yeah, um, let's give it a rating now, guys. I tend to agree with Marvin that it was definitely a, a, a real puff piece. Um, they kind of, I think his agent at one point referenced him as like a transcendent talent, and I just thought, easy, like you know, <laughs> yeah, he's that, a kid. That, 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 that's all. <laughs> well, and also the fact that transcendent talent in sport for me, like. Rory McIlroy is a transcendent talent. Like people well, across all not sports even Rory globally. McElroy, a transcendent tra- talent is someone like Muhammad Ali. He's a transcendent talent. They're people who kind of, you know, who are, uh, I, I don't, I, I mean, does McIlroy transcend his sport? Do you think? I, I think that, you know, I think he's like bigger Ali than transcends sport. his sport, you know, or even Manny Pacquiao was mentioned earlier by Addy. Someone like that transcends his sport because he's gone in. He went into politics and all the rest of it, you know. And he's got okay. Well, I, I, what, what, my but, definition you know. is is more so someone that is you could argue is as big as their sport. When you think of them, you think they are the sport. Tiger yeah. Woods. Yeah. These these are people. But but anyway, but they they they, they labelled him that, and I thought to myself, whoa, that's that's that's. I know you got yeah. to big him up a little bit, but it's a bit early. It was like a, a personality. Way too early. Yeah. Lack of personality they, from they, him as well. They all seemed a bit too <clears throat> doughty as well. I was like, yeah. steady on you. He's like half your age. Just be his agent. You know what I mean? Keep it moving. It's a bit too familiar, wasn't it? Um, yeah. All right, let's get let's give it a rating. We're going to rate it based off of how we thought from a documentary perspective it was shot and how it looked. Would you watch it again? Um, and the third category was, um, I forgot. Out of five, what is the, um, what's your rating, Marvin? I'm going to give it one click, man. Oh, wow. I'd, okay. I'd wow. never watch it wow. again. Wow. It was shot like a fam like a like you remember This Is Your Life. It was shot like that. I didn't know what season they were in half the time and where they were other than in the international tournaments. It 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 was something that I not only would I not watch again, I wouldn't even mention that I watched it to a mate down the pub. So one click. Okay. Ollie? Um I'm g I'd probably give it a two because I think that as I said it's not for me. It wasn't made for me. It's not made for us, let's be fair. It's made for a young audience watching BBC Three. Uh, it's not really something that I would watch. Um, and that's fine. You know, they make documentaries. They're not all aimed at me. Uh, I think that it was kind of for that young audience who would who would buy into that where you're not having to think too much about it. And it's kind of, you know, it just gives you a bit of a, you know, a bit of an outline of who the character is without telling you anything too much. And yeah, so a two for me. Uh, two for me as well. It, it, one implies it was terrible. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't, it's, it, I'm not watching it again. And I will be very quickly forgetting that. That averages out as a what? A 1.5? Yeah. What's the three of us at a 1.5? Okay, yeah, cool. Um, being Lewis Reese Zamet. Go check it out on BBC. Or don't, if you don't want to. Um, okay, <laughs> it's now time for this. What you talking about, Willis? 
Um, Marvin, take it away. Oh, Jewel, this one, this one really cringed me out, right? But uh, the Willis goes to Nuno Tavares this week. Um, for those of you that haven't seen it, some footage have, has come about. I don't well, really well, know be, what before, it is. Before you explain what the video is, what is the Willis of the Week? Just explain to our new listeners. Oh, so for those who haven't listened in, A, why have you listened in? We're only three episodes deep. You should have been listening by now. Um, the Willis of the Week is an award that we give out to somebody or something that's happened in the world of sport that's either really interesting, really shocking, really disappointing, or you're just thinking, what is that person on about? Um, this is our third one. Uh, am I okay to t- take it away now, Jordan, in terms of who's it, running? It. Um, we're going to give it to Nuno Tavares this this week. Um, for those who haven't seen it, some footage has come about, and I don't really know what it is with Arsenal players and footage, because I remember <laughs> a certain Saliba in a really precarious position in the training room on a, on occasion. Can you imagine if Mercer and Parler, ever there was social media in their days, what we'd be seeing? But... Um, but yeah, some footage has arisen of him getting rather close and personal with his canine friends. And I'm not talking just like running and frolicking. We're talking French kissing, like tongue. It, it gave me the sort of vibes, George, that you think, if he's doing this on camera, what is he doing <laughs> off camera? You know what I'm saying? It 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 was... It was verging on bestiality, in my opinion. It's like you've got Zuma on this end of the, you've got Zuma on this end of the spectrum, and you've got Tavares on this end of the spectrum. Both are not cool, but one of them didn't make me feel nauseous, right? Um, so um, we're giving it to him. To be honest, it's been kind of other than on the socials, it's kind of been swept under the rug a little bit. But we're not in our pod's not in the business of sweeping stuff under the rug. If something is cringy or crazy, we're gonna talk about it. His his teammates in the forest dressing room are gonna be looking at him sideways. I'm looking at him sideways. And I would take the dogs away from him. And I definitely check I I definitely check their back ends for human DNA, right? Like that's 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 where we are right now. So he's 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 he's, he's, the, he's the he's the Willis of the week. <laughs> I'm, I'm listen, all, all I'll say is, oh Marvin, man. All I'll say is, all I'll say is, I watched the video and I saw and I was I was freaked out and fouled by it. So I, I just I got about ten seconds in. I saw where he was licking the dog, and that bit for me was like a crime in of itself. I didn't see the latter bit. I watched it again about a day or two later, and I saw he's snogging the dog. In, in, yeah. in, in the end bit, I'm like, bro, like... Do you know what it was as well, Jordan? I saw a clip and he was kissing one dog and then another dog was like, hey, let me get some of that action, you know, man. Let me get in there. <laughs> Neglecting me, man. And it's the, a wrap. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm telling you, no one can tell me that they've looked at that footage and thought, that's that's as far as he's gone. No way. No way. So he's, yeah, he's Willis, been, Willis of the week for him. He's been linked with a transfer to somewhere as well, and I wonder if the timing's a coincidence. Arsenal saw that and just thought, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not for us. Because Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal have got a dog called Win. They've got a dog at the club called Win, so they're probably trying to protect, protect their own, um, their, their own canine. Anyway, all right. So Tavares, you got the Willis of the week, um, gentlemen. Marvin, Ollie, it's been a pleasure as per usual. Don't forget, we are across all the socials: Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on YouTube. Subscribe there, give us a click. Um, across all the podcast platforms to Amazon, Spotify, Apple and more. Tell your friends, leave a comment till next week. Peace.